Coming up next, the trial of the century. We've got Jacob Menzel for the defense. That's me. Brandon Chastain for the prosecution. That's me. And your humble and obedient judge right here, baby. It's Ready Player One. Call me Atticus Finch. Just call him Atticus Finch. <laughs> He's putting himself with one of the most beloved literature. <laughs> <laughs> beloved. Be, uh, I got Boo Radley over here, buddy. He <laughs> <laughs> needs defending against the hazmat suit wearing yeah. racist prosecutor be, over there. I'll be, uh, what's, uh, who did Andy Griffith play? <laughs> <laughs> Matlock. Matlock. I'll be Matlock. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the Bookening. Couldn't be more excited to be here. Let's get right into it. We've got the trial of the century. So if you don't, if you didn't listen last week, Brandon gave us all kinds of fantastic context. He talked about how he was one of the one of the few, one of the. Well, he, Brandon gets it. Brandon gets it. They're, most people they don't get it. They're just dumb idiots, yokels. I believe is what. It's Brandon, a proper term, yeah. Brandon, might those are call the exact them. words I used. <laughs> 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 anyway, my name is Nathan Opperson. I'm your humble and be your host. Welcome to the book. And we're talking about Ready Player One. And that's all a joke. That's all a joke, folks. Brandon's a fine man of the people. Jake can be a little snobby sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> but Jake's also a, a man of the people. And Brandon can be a little. You know, we're all a little bit of everything. There's one thing that I say about people. It's we're all a little bit of everything. We read this book, Ready Player One. And we need to decide what we're going to think about it. So we're, today we're going to put it on trial. Shoot, guys. Patreon. Donor shoutouts. I'm so sorry. Let's do this real quick. Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Jenny Z, the inscrutable. Jenny Z, the inscrutable. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. John and Jill and Max. John and Jill and Max. Max. Baby Max. Yeah, baby Max. I've got my baby Max, baby Max. Uh, uh, My beloved mother Beth. Beloved mother Beth. My beloved mother Beth. Maya. Maya. Jay and Katie. Jay and Katie are cold cold and love cheese. Benjamin, Benjamin Tiberius. And then we got the Nathan, not me. Nathan, not Nathan. Eric and Catherine, the Eric lovebirds. and Catherine, the lovebirds. And Dr. X. Dr. Professor X. X. <laughs> all right. I love it. You Do they all feel sufficiently shouted out, you think? Oh, I bet they do. That was, they a, fun, that was a fun shout out. And they, they, they are ready for us to get to it. They don't want us That's to waste right. any time today. Last Everybody's time. on the edge of their seats. Everyone's on the edge of their seats. What are we going to say about Ready Player One? We're going to have a little fun today, folks. Okay. We're going to have a little fun. Jake is going to play the part of the person defending Ready Player One. That's right. Brandon's going to play the part of the grouchy snob attacking. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandon. Brandon's going to play the part of the person attacking Ready Player One. I'm going to play the judge and try and keep it a clean fight. And they'll say objection and I'll say sustained or overruled. They'll, they'll address me as <laughs> <Objection>. your honor. <laughs> overruled. <laughs> try that again, Chastine, and I'll... Clap you in irons or whoa, whatever. <laughs> All right. To the prosecutor, no less. Yeah. I will. It's the prosecutor. Well, you know, I, I can find him if he's contempt disorderly in the court. Found to be in contempt of court. Yeah. So we're going to put this book on trial and we're just going to have a little fun. I think you should both approach the bench here. All right. Let's keep this a fair fight. Putting on our gloves. It's not a boxing match. Oh, is it not? We could get this episode done really quick, I guess, if you guys just want to fight and whoever knocks the other one out, we declare that book the winner. Pull out your camera. Let's let's roll. That book. <laughs> so this book wins either way. So I don't know. I'm not a very good judge. I don't know how this works. Does the prosecution go first? 
We've, who's seen a yeah, court movie? Somebody's got to make an accusation. All right. They have to present a case, and I have to defend. Okay. All right, Mr. Prosecutor. Yeah. I thought my whole, what do you call it, did, the context. The context. On the so, other episode So a lot week. of your case, if they want to hear the, the details and some of the evidence for your case, they can go and but listen I to can, the last I can, episode. But I can summarize my case. So you made us read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Who, me? We're putting Nathan on trial. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'm also the judge. So. I did not know that this book was a thing until he brought it to our attention. Wait, is and that then, true? And then you're like, it we're going to read this book. And I'm like, this is a book, huh? <laughs> okay. And then we read it. and I hope I don't get executed. You're not going to get okay. executed. Don't worry. Now I'm going to win. And the book's going to walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and me, apparently. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mr. Prosecutor. I don't have an opening in a body bag. I didn't prepare something. I didn't know we were doing the trial thing. This is all rigged. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't know either, man. Oh, I thought you I have knew. no notes. I, I have thought, nothing. I thought you guys talked about this. Um, no, we're not in collusion. Book. Jake hasn't. So we're, what, we're putting this. What are we putting it on trial for? What are we, why is it here in the first place? That's what I'm creating. You're is the whole it, reason it's that's on right. trial. You're yeah. accusing it of. You're saying it's guilty of. It should be. We should sentence it to death. We should sentence it to death. Well, okay. So it's guilty of a capital offense. Crimes against humanity or literature. It's it's guilty of crimes against literature. So here I am today, (laughs) standing before you as a man who loves literature. And I am dragging up this book, and I am telling you that it is criminal offender (laughs) against all things literature. It is not a work of literature. It barely deserves to be read. Um... (laughs) So why? So the prosecution will show that, first, the character of an author really does matter when it comes to shaping the story that they're telling. There are certain elements of this book that you will not be surprised were written by a perverted man. And there is ample evidence that Ernest Klein is a perverted man. He is a... Objection, Your Honor. That's an ad hominem attack. Overruled. <laughs> I'll allow it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> no proper objections are. I'm just going to mess them up. I couldn't think whether it was sustained or overruled. In the history of the bookending, perversion in the author has been enough to damn a book before. You're, apply, see, you're appealing to past... I'm, t- I'm appealing to past precedent. We damned the Dubliners, and we damned... Um, Your Honor, I'd like to point out that if James Joyce had been a saint, we would still have damned the Dubliners. Sustained. <laughs> I would Further, like to, I'd like I would to point out like, that Tolstoy was something of a monster, and we have sainted in a Karenina. That's true. Sustained. That's true. Further, we've also argued that hey, Mark hey, Twain not, was something not. of a monster and sainted Huck Finn. True. Uh, be careful, defense. True. You're not supposed to talk right but now. When we, get to that, <laughs> when we get to that part of the argument, I will show you why there are significant differences. <laughs> What else will the prosecution prove, Mr. Prosecutor? Yeah, the, pro- the prosecution will also prove that prosecution is getting very old. <laughs> he is getting old. Mm-hmm. And when he was reading this book, as I got closer to the end, and there were giant robots fighting each other with lasers, and the final battle was a gaming event mm-hmm. between the main villain and the hero, mm-hmm. I suddenly put the book down and I said, I could be reading so many other things right now. <laughs> I said to myself, even other forms of cotton candy would be more profitable to me than this book. I cannot think to myself what I'm getting out of this. Even as cotton candy, I cannot imagine to myself what I'm getting out of this book. 
there anything else the prosecution will be showing? Yeah, but finally, what the prosecution will be arguing is that if we're concerned with what makes a valuable book something worth reading, this book fails. This is not a work of literature, and as fiction, it fails and becomes simply a, a means of parading both the narcissism of its author and being purely a book that is meant to be an artifact used for the pleasure of its readers, which is not what we want in a good book. And that is the most damning part of this book. So to summarize the prosecution's case, you're going to prove that the character of an author, well, you're going to appeal to past president that the character of an author matters. And you're going to say the character here is bad, (laughs) number one. Number two, you're going to say the prosecution is getting old and this book sucked. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or to put it more fairly, this book was thin. A waste of time. This book was a waste of time. And number three, how would we summarize that? Does it measure up to a classic work of literature? Doesn't measure. Do you accept that as a summation? And it it appeals, doesn't work as literature. And in it the appeals way that it, to the pleasures of... And the way that it does work is harmful. It's not good literature, and it's not good trash. And what it's trying to do harm, can be harmful. What it's trying to... Well, I to guess for the fun of this, it is harmful. Do is harmful. I mean, I'm going to have to pretend to hate this book a whole lot more than I actually do. Right, and Jake's going to have to pretend... Yeah. Jake's got the best sort of the my, stick, actually. He's got to wear my poker face. <laughs> yeah. And even if I am defending a murderer, a serial killer... Yeah. Right, I'm going you're to a good defense lawyer. The best Jake, case possible. I already think that you're going to be run through my money. So let's go. <laughs> All right. So Brandon, the, the case for the prosecution to summarize very quickly once again: character of the author matters, and it's here it's bad. The book was a big fat waste of time. It's not good literature, nor is it good trash. And what it what is it what it is trying to accomplish is harmful. Your Honor, my esteemed colleague here is arguing it, or attempting to argue that the uh, character of the author negates the quality of this book. And I am here to argue that uh, there are many, many fine works of literature written by horrible people. Uh, and my uh, colleague here would acknowledge this and has, in fact, been on record acknowledging this. I have been. No objection. Overruled. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, I object. He, he, he says that he's a crusty old man and that he doesn't have time for a book. But does a, a book like this, but does a book have to be written specifically for him and his particular brand of crusty old men to be qualify as a good book? I'm going to argue no. In fact, it doesn't. He argues that it doesn't measure up to classic works of literature like Tolstoy. Does every book have to measure up to a classic work of literature like Tolstoy, like something that Jane Austen would write? I'm going to argue no. In fact, it doesn't have to measure up to that to be a good book. Finally, he says it appeals to the pleasures of the reader. Since when is appealing to the pleasures of readers a bad thing? His own C.S. Lewis says that you must enjoy a book if it's going to be good. It must be enjoyable. You're not going to object to his own C.S. Lewis? Uh, I might object to that. C.S. Lewis does say that, but then he says, but a good book does much more. Sustained. Do you withdraw? (laughs) No, I'm simply arguing that you can't... You have to withdraw. What? I think you have to strike it. You have to be like... I strike that from the record or something like that, don't you? No. I just sustained his objection. <laughs> it's an argument. You can't... I'm pretending like I'm holding a gavel here, by the way, if no one's... No, uh, you don't get to do just that. just realize This is just cross-talk. Yeah, we're just... This is cross-talk with <laughs> Mr. Defense, approach the bench. <laughs> we're yes, your honor. judge. <laughs> don't I have to see that you show a lot more respect for this courtroom? And I'm going to have to see that your credentials as a judge are examined. <laughs> <Great judge. laughs> what was the final, your final point to his final point? It, he, he argues that, that the book is at fault 
because it appeals to the desires of the reader. And I simply want to argue that that is not, in fact, a bad thing to Objection. appeal to the desires of a reader. Well, I, a clarification. That's not my point. <laughs> it is what you said. My point is... Did you or did you not say... I, what did I say? You said that it is bad because it appeals I said, to the desires of the readers. It manipulates the desires of the readers. That's not what you said. Well, then I will clarify what I meant. I'll allow it. Um... I, I think that I said that, in fact, what it is, it's using the readers, and all it is, it's it's meant to be used by the readers, and the way that it wants to be used is harmful. Okay, that's just a claim. Yeah. That's as of yet. That I haven't proven yet. He's, he's going to yeah. all right, present so evidence, you, you I you prove that. Okay. So well, how, would that. You say, how would we summarize that? It's. But one thing I would say is that you will find that very thing in every work of literature. There are always manipulations and appeals to desire that are harmful in any work of literature. Agreed. Included your beloved Tolstoy. Agreed. Or Shakespeare or Austin. Agreed. Or Dickens, Agreed. for that matter. I don't know whether I agree with that or not. There are harmful manipulations. Harmful manipulations. Tolstoy manipulates us in a harmful way. There's there's points the, the, the book, sure. There have I to mean, be. insofar as every man is that's sinful, exactly right. original sin, depravity, yeah, that's right. that's, blah, blah, blah. I know that's his Hey, point. are you going to throw out the law of God in your courtroom? <laughs> We've <laughs> <laughs> got the Ten Commandments right behind me, baby. Okay, all right, just checking. By the way, we're in a virtual courtroom in the <laughs> Oasis right now. We're in our VR goggles. Yeah, we're all, we all put on our VR goggles. forgot about that. That was going to be one of the gimmicks. But Tolstoy wasn't like giggling in his uh, basement covered in... You don't know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> covered in the posters of all his like famous uh, Russian poets and authors and like poking each other like, I can reference this guy, you can reference that guy, and then getting off on it. And, and and you know for a fact that Ernest Klein was. You have video evidence of him doing that while he wrote the book. I have evidence of the book. I mean, what other point is there to it? <laughs> Do you in fact have evidence that he was in? His I don't basement have evidence the... that he was in his basement. Then I it's was a being, spurious claim. I was so being throw it out. Objection! I was Your Honor. being hyperbolic. Sustained. <laughs> I don't strike it from the record. Strike it from the record. That'll I be don't. stricken from the the record. Watch what yourself, record? Mr. <laughs> Prosecution. All right, we've got four points. Mr. Prosecution, yeah. your first point was that the character of the author matters. What evidence or witnesses would you like to call? <laughs> well, I, I, I'll call the guys that he appealed to. We'll call in Tolstoy. All right. Can we drag him from the grave? <laughs> gonna... I'm not the one who, who brought Tolstoy into this. You are. Let's call in Joyce. Let's call in Ernest Hemingway. And let's call in Jane Austen. The court calls... These Jane books, books written by these people. We've read these books. And so here, you, you mentioned the fact that Tolstoy was a bad guy. Mm. You said he was a monster. That's going a bit far. <laughs> Is it? I'm going to ask that that be stricken from the record. You have not proved conclusively in this court in this courtroom that oh, Tolstoy he's, was a monster. He's, he's about to. Okay. Uh, Tolstoy gave away all of his possessions, gave away his family's inheritance, abandoned his wife and children, left them in financial ruin. True or false? True. I submit to you, Your Honor, that this does, in fact, work to establish him as a man of disreputable character. That, that might be a little different than a monster. Watch yourself, prosecutor. <laughs> well, I, I will go so far as to say that makes him a monster. Uh, defense? Wow. wow. Um, <laughs> this is really awkward. Um, <laughs> he wasn't a monster. Does Ernest Klein have a family? Yeah, He's that woman, that wife he married, <laughs> it's the slam poetry. I don't know if he has any kids. Has he abandoned her? He's also not. Has he given away all of his money? He's not in his 80s yet. With a chance of senility. Has he done it? Has he done that? No, but he's written some. Uh, uh, did Tolstoy do it? Did he 
do it. Did he abandon his but wife? But to appeal to the biblical law that we've now said is precedent and can be appealed to, haven't all fallen short of the glory of God and we all sin. And then every author is equally corrupt. Every author is Every corrupt. author is corrupt. And so you have no point by at all to make by pointing out the character of the author. The, if you're going to appeal to the law of God as the standard, the difference between Austin and Hemingway is it's neg- negligible. It's ne- yeah, it's negligible. It's negligible. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just trying to get away from the... Um... If you're going to talk about character, you have to talk about facts. And facts is facts. Ernest Klein has a wife and yes. a family, and he has not, in fact, given away all of their inheritance and left them But he also to... wrote poems about how he would like to be in pornographic videos with but, librarians. Uh, but before or after he was married? Pretty sure it was while before? he was married. He was a slam poet while he was married. But before he was married, he was a slam poet. And before. But I'm pretty sure when did this poem he, when, was written after 96 when he was married. Okay. is it? And he also has explicit scenes in his books that Tolstoy doesn't have of masturbation. So, wait a second, wait a second. Ernest Klein having a character who masturbates is way worse than Tolstoy having characters who commit adul- adultery multiple times. It's not explicit in Tolstoy. It is, in fact, explicit in Tol- Tolstoy. The very first scene between Anna Vronsky, where they consummate their love, is explicit it's after the fact pretty sure it all happens right there between the lines no, i don't think we, I don't it's, think it's, we it's post-coital it's it's post but they go in together there's not actually an explicit like there's no explicit there's no description sure. there's no explicit scene there's nothing to arouse the reader oh really Maybe I should clarify what I mean by the character of the author actually influenced. It's clarified, if, Mr. Prosecutor. Um, you, when you read certain novels, you can tell a lot about the author in the way they tell their story. So why I brought Hemingway and Joyce both into the arena, whatever we call this thing, yep. is because Joyce and Hemingway are both similar in the fact that they're narcissists with their story. Their story is about them. Their story is about their credibility as an author. Their story is about how amazing their style is. That's one of the reasons we hated James Joyce so much, and that's one of the reasons that even though we like Hemingway, we still ended up condemning Hemingway and consider him a monster as well, is because their absolute narcissism comes out in the stories they write. If you look at that and then you see Tolstoy, yeah, of course he was a sinful guy. What he did towards the end of his life was monstrous. But he still wrote these stories that are absolutely, yeah. Um, Who, can I... uh, can I interrupt? Yeah, go Please. ahead. Uh, who's who's the main protagonist of Anna Karenina? Levin. And who's Levin modeled after? Tolstoy. Who's who's the main protagonist of uh, War and Peace? Pierre. And who's Pierre modeled after? Tolstoy. You may pre- uh, one, one one more question. Mm-hmm. Who's the who's the main protagonist of Pride and Prejudice? Elizabeth Bennett. And who's she modeled after? Not Tolstoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but who? <laughs> Jane Austen. Okay, you may proceed. <coughs> okay. I'm not quite sure what point you were getting across. Well, you, you said you were simply arguing that these guys were narcissists and they made their books all about themselves. And oh, I'm only okay. pointing out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gentlemen, authors, neither authors... Tolstoy nor Jane Austen is on trial hey. today. <laughs> uh, I mean, J- Jane Austen and Tolstoy, of course, authors draw from their life, but that's not my point. My point is that the style itself draws attention to the author. The realism and the characterizations in Jane Austen and Tolstoy don't draw attention to themselves. You do admire their style, just like you admire Shakespeare's style, but you still enter into the story in a way that you don't with Joyce. With Joyce, you feel like you're beating your head against Joyce, and that he kind of likes it. You don't enter into the story with Hemingway? You still, Hemingway's style stands out. 
and Hemingway is all over it. That's why people famously say, you know, man, that Hemingway, his great style. I would say that if you had to put Ready Player One into either of those camps, if it was just simple popcorn, you could forget about Klein, but unfortunately he fills it with reference after reference after reference. And so inevitably it falls into the category of an author who is just so full of himself because he knows all this obscure arcana. So that's one point. I mean, yeah, so sure. So he falls more into that category. And so it's all like I talked about with before even context with all the greasy haired guys in their basement playing Dungeons and Dragons and getting very proud about the Gnostic cult they've developed together. You have that aspect of him being the author. The other aspect you have of him being the author is the fact that he has the masturbation scene <laughs> and the fact that he um, has all... Uh, there's, there's another bad scene too, isn't there? The atheist scene? There's the atheist scene, that's the, right. It's not really a scene, it's just sort of like in the beginning. He's talking about, he's introducing you to... Wade Watts is introducing you to himself. Yeah. But the the thing is, is, I mean, you can see how this proud guy who wrote this poem about how we're all monkeys is the one who would write a book like this. And Tolstoy for all his failures. Yeah. I don't, I don't even bring Tolstoy back into it. You're the one that keeps bringing it yeah, up. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Tolstoy is not the one on trial today. He's not the one on trial <laughs> <That's, that's> today. <laughs> it's because I am trying to, I mean, just, You use it just at outside, me, but he's the one that keeps bringing Tolstoy in. I am trying so. to wrap my head around completely what I think about author and novel and story. We've talked plenty about it outside of this. Why don't you gentlemen both approach the bench? Okay, what? Okay, yes, Your Honor. I don't know what I think about author and style. I, and Tolstoy was a, was a bad guy in a lot yeah, of ways, yeah. but he wrote some pretty good books, a lot better than and a lot less narcissistic than Joyce. The defense, if I know him, will probably agree with that. <laughs> Off the record, Your Honor? Off the record. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And you think that Jane Austen was a little bit better than... Uh, <laughs> this is all off the record, remember? Yes, yes. Jane Austen, not a narcissist no. in the same vein as... Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> no, not, not not quite, no. Okay, you may... Not at all, in fact. Depart yeah, no. the I, bench. I can't stand Ernest Hemingway. I love <laughs> yeah. Jane Austen. And you are on record as hating James Joyce about as much as anyone's ever hated James Joyce. True, true. Okay, proceed. Proceed with your second point. Uh, what was my second point? Well, wait, I have to decide... Do I award points? What is what do I do now? Well, I well, I think it, he gets a chance to I respond. Get a, I get a chance to respond. All right, respond. I'm just going to come back and reiterate that my esteemed colleague first argued that the character of the author invalidates the work, and I think that I have established that there are in fact authors of lesser character than Ernest Klein, who have given us great works of literature. When my colleague pointed to the law of God, he effectively put all authors on the same playing field and undercut his own point. So I don't know what Lakesy has to stand on with his case so far. That's all I have to say about that. Defense, will you, or no, what's your name? Prosecution, will you uh, approach the bench? I already made the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, I think everybody really sympathizes with you and wants you to win. Yeah. But right now you're getting trounced. <laughs> Am I getting trounced? <laughs> well, kind of, but I think everyone's like, Jake's making these moronic points, and yet he's winning. So, <laughs> I told you. That's what I imagine our listeners are thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so should we move on away from this author point? Yeah, we should probably just get away from <laughs> this get other away, point. Get away from the author point. There was a reason it was my first point. <laughs> I mean, I still stand by it, but... Okay. Go ahead. 
I'm, you Whoa, know, I mean, this is off. Come this, at me, this, man. This, 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 this just has, off the record. Yeah. He, we, it's we nothing to come at, at you. But off the record? Off the record. Yeah. Yeah. Off the record. Mm-hmm. Yes. Since I know you don't believe most of what you're saying. You believe Pretty something. much anything. Yeah. <laughs> but that is what drives me crazy about this, is these are the arguments that people are going to make. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Well, that's why to, they're worth having. That's why I'm trying to figure out how to respond, but I don't quite well, know how Well, how I would yet. respond to myself, if I could just like cross yeah. the aisle here. I think what I would say is that it, it may be less to do with the character of the author in terms of their personal morality and more to do with the, uh, I hate this word, but the worldview that they bring yeah. mm-hmm. that informs, and in, in the moral worldview that they bring that informs the way that they tell a story, craft a story, and craft a world. And so Tolstoy may have been, and we can actually argue whether or not he was a moral monster. But there's no question that his worldview is a moral one Mm. and much closer to a a biblical worldview in terms of how it informs his story and the way he tells his story than Ernest Cline or Hemingway or anybody else. And the same is true of Austin or Shakespeare. And that's what makes them truly great is despite whatever flaws they may have as authors, (laughs) <laughs> but no, <laughs> despite just, whatever this is good. Despite whatever flaws they may like may have this. as as individuals, yeah, they bring a real moral sense, a real sense of the world as God made it, which is in fact a moral world yeah. to to their writing, and that That's, shines through and gives their uh, writing a depth and a character that a person with a very shallow worldview, no matter how externally moral or upright their life may be, they can't bring that to a book. They just don't have the goods. Right. Tolstoy, whatever his personal life was like, has depths of moral understanding that yeah, well, Klein could never what begin to aspire kind to. Kind of started conf- not confusing me, but just making me even get a little bit away from just the complete moral character and trying to figure out what it actually was. And I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it is. As much as I don't like the word worldview either, I think it more has to do with philosophy than it does. Yes. Character, because I was thinking Shakespeare. We know he had a Christian wor- view mm-hmm. of the world. But we have no clue who he was, really. We right. have no. He could have been a horrible guy, for all we know. Now, he, here is a thing that you we do have to grapple with, though, and and that's the reality that your philosophy is going to be shaped by your character. And so, in some case, in some way, what gives Tolstoy credibility is that he he at least carried some sense of guilt mm-hmm. with him about his wow. failures and self awareness about his failures. Whereas somebody like Hemingway, he's a sexual monster and an immature dude that shapes his philosophy, right? All I'm trying to say is I don't want to totally divorce personal character from philosophy because they inform each other and they shape each other and, and it goes back and forth. No, the, the best example in the, the bookending that I think we have is Steinbeck, who right. oh, that's a, not a great guy great at example. all, serial adulterer. I don't actually remember, but I want to say serial adulterer and multiple marriages and all this kind of stuff. He understands guilt. He understands depravity. He understands father hunger. He understands the universe as God made it. Doesn't quite understand redemption. There's a whole... And that's a moral failure. And that's a moral failure. And it's a failure that makes the book less than it might have been. But within... This is a cheesy way maybe of talking about it. Within the light that earned, that Steinbeck had, he was able to do something really great with it. Mm-hmm. Within, yeah. within the light that Tolstoy had, whether he was a Christian or not, whether he was a moral man or not. He still did something great with it. Right. And there is a mor- moral failure at the end of Anna Karenina. Right. Levin's insight into the world is not the yeah, one we want to have. The it's ending shallow. is less than yeah. it could be. And there's also a sympathy and just a general love for people and humanity mm-hmm. right. that Jane Austen has and that Tolstoy has that 
Reading Ready Player One, I, he doesn't have it. No, he really is a narcissist. He, he loves himself. He loves his friends. He loves anyone who can pick up on the coolness of what he's doing. Well, and well, and his self references. It's not even. I mean, I okay. So you and your context and your approach so far have really painted him as being the total nerd that he's selling yeah. to the world, and I've not been ready to buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I trust you, and I trust your judgment. So it's sort of shaking the way that I've thought about the book because it's so perfectly calculated to just be a, a validation fest for every narcissist living in his mom's basement. Yep. That, what you see here is a good businessman realizing he exactly. can capitalize on a world full of narcissists. Exactly. There's a world full yeah, of narcissists who live in their mom's basement, and I can capitalize on that, and I can throw... Because it feels so calculated. Every little... It does. Like we've been, you, you've brought up the masturbation scene multiple times, so we're probably going to have to put some kind of thing on a the... bleep or something. Uh, well, or just a well, warning. A warning, yeah. yeah. We but, can't but, not talk about it. But we can't it. not talk about it. Yeah. None of us knew it was there when we picked up the book. Uh, somebody alluded to this earlier. The whole point of that scene is to make every nerd who can't get a woman feel validated for masturbating. You're just like Isaac Newton. You're just like Steve Jobs. You're just like every great man that's ever walked the earth. They Einstein. Was, they were too smart, Marie too Curie, important, they, and too yeah. busy to... It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just disgusting because it's in service of sexual depravity, although that is very it's, disgusting. It's, it's disgusting because it's, it's, it's pandering It's pandering. piece of crap. Yeah. That's it's, right. It's telling you... It's great that you masturbate. You're actually more of a hero because you masturbate. It's designed to make you feel good for your stupidity, your weakness, and your Did you give yourself to to video games and to dumb pop culture trivia? Did you stay up all night watching reruns of Family Ties? Well, guess what? Those are exactly the tools you need to win trillions of dollars and save humanity. And get the girl. And get the girl. You're going to have it all. And she's going to have a fatal flaw, but it's going to be one that's like the super dumbest kind fatal of cool. flaw in the world. It's a birthmark. <laughs> a it's birthmark. A, a birthmark that makes her look like an anime character, yeah. actually. She's <laughs> you know? still super hot, though. <laughs> it's not like a real deformity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in every way possible. And then there's the reality of H. You know, well, that's just oh, stupid. that's so pandering. That is pandering. It's that's... absolute pandering garbage. And then Og being the way he is. Yep, it's pandering. It's all just. And that actually is the final point that I mm-hmm. was going. Do you guys want to leave the bench now and get back to the? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, can yeah, go yeah, back. We gotta get back into this. Okay. Um, uh, but on the record and for the record, Your Honor, the defense is totally kicking the pants off of the prosecution. Admitted. <laughs> 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 Well, the prosecution, your next point. What was my next point? Uh, the book was a waste of time. <laughs> you, are, you are old. It's good. It was not I'm old. Well, I mean, okay, I'm getting old, so this is my point. I'm going to bring in C.S. Lewis to help us out here. He makes the point, and he's actually very nice and kind, and he says that, you know, there needs to be entertainment. We need to have things be fun and entertaining. And he says he holds nothing against people who want to have some fun and entertaining time. Mm-hmm. Fun and crazy times. <laughs> and so you can... Th- Agatha Christie, we've talked about these sorts of things. These these are fine, but if I'm going to read a book that... And this, or this is looking forward to my last points and also to my failed first point <laughs> that... Oh, man... <laughs> Star Wars socks. They're actually off the, the defense record. is actually wearing Star Wars socks right now, yeah, folks. Off the record, the defense made a very strong case for me. <laughs> and, uh, spoke everything that I should have said. Um, what am I saying? 
Uh, you don't oh, know. it's entertainment. So yeah, so if I look at this and I look at everything that damns this book, mm-hmm. as fun as it is, as good of a time as it is, it's not worth it in the end. There have to be things in your life that even though they might be fun, you're willing to just say, I'm not going to do and have anything to do with that. Now, let me ask you this, Mr. Prosecution. If you'd watched a two-hour Steven Spielberg movie on the same subject telling the same story, do you think you'd have the same response? We'll find out. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm just thinking, get a little personal, the judge here, but I guess I can say things. I I enjoyed some Murder on the Orient Express movies, but man, I couldn't make myself read the book because it was Mm -hmm. just too much Murder on the Orient Express. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Yes. I think that Approach the bench. May I speak off record? Yes. I read this entire book, and I did enjoy it as I I read it, but I read the entire book just wishing I could watch the movie and thinking that this was made to be a movie script, and it should have just been a movie script. And from what we know about him, that's pretty much what he does. Well, and it's pretty much what he was trying to do, I think. I think he wanted this to be... I, I think he got his dream. His dream came true. I think yeah. he wanted to write a, a book yeah, that one, would get a Spielberg movie. Actually, one out thing of it. I didn't. Did you want to approach is, the, the, the bench too? Oh, can I approach yeah, the bench? Yeah, everybody, okay. everybody, so, on one thing I didn't mention in context yeah. is the fact that one reason he wrote this book is he couldn't imagine a screenplay unless it was someone like Spielberg being mm-hmm. able to get the rights to all these things. Right. And so he's like, I have to make this into a book so that I don't have to get the rights to everything. Well, and one thing that you have true, and then Spielberg's like, yeah. I'm, you didn't put into your def- – I thought maybe your some of your uh, prosecution was going to involve the style. But I think the style is a non-issue because it's just flat and functional. It reads like a screenplay, actually. Well, it's actually, just like- it's flat and it's functional. Style's it's written gonna- from the perspective of a kid <laughs> who grew up in a VR system not talking to real life people. And so you, yeah. it's almost unassailable. Mm-hmm. From that perspective, I mean, he could not... you, he could be a total moron and write that, or he could be a total genius and it would come out almost the same way. Well, it it will come. It was going to come into my third point. All right. Well, nobody hears nobody literature. hears this bench stuff. So uh, you know, I mean, because right. he, he's a bad writer. Right. Well, depart the bench and okay. continue. I got my defense ready yeah. for that for him being a bad writer. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Well, well, you know what it wall, is. Man. I am looking forward to it. Okay. So yeah. So there I am, and I'm. I have little time. I'm. I work. I have kids, and when I do have the time to sit and read a book, do I want it to be this, or do I want it to be something that's actually worth my time? Prosecution, you're going to have to define what's worth your time. Prosec- well, okay, what's worth my time? We've established uh, that some measure of entertainment is worth well, your time. Well, just like the defense keeps calling this a good book, mm. but he's also going to have to then define what he means by a good book. <laughs> no, I'm just going to have to defend against your claim that it's bad. The I don't have to establish that my client is a good person. I just have to establish that my client He's did not. not okay, is not but a you, serial you, killer. You kept using the word "good." Did I? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, Sustained. <laughs> Sustained the whatever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds like you're against me too. Um, no, I'm an impartial judge, man. Except for I don't want to go to so jail what for a record. Okay, okay, so what makes book. a book worthwhile? Uh-huh. Defense, we, or prosecution. I don't we, know how to make this point without getting accusations against me again of the few versus the many. But what makes something worthwhile? What makes something worthwhile is something that's actually going to, to engage me in the way that Shakespeare, Austin, Tolstoy engages me. And yeah, so the defense is going to say, well, does everything have to be Shakespeare, Austin, and Tolstoy? I would say if it wants to be something that people should want to read, then it needs to aspire. Otherwise, people like Ernest Klein shouldn't even pick up a pen in the first place. So this is an interesting prosecution. You actually don't make a distinction, and I'm... I don't, I'm, I don't judge, even though I'm a judge. I don't yeah. judge. I'm, I'm just, just to clarify, you actually are not making a distinction between to you. Everything is 
all in the same continuum. There's no there's no such thing as good trash that is to be judged by its own standard. I think there's trash that is harmless mm-hmm. and exists. Do I think that those people who wrote the trash should have been encouraged either not to write or to have tried to write better? Yeah, I do, actually. Because I think that you need to take story and craft seriously. But That's, you're basically that, that is it, my opinion. You're putting it on the same continuum as Shakespeare, and you're saying, yeah, of course it's it, not Shakespeare. It's making but a claim to be literature. He didn't though. even try. And so if it wants to make the claim to be literature, then it has to be willing to, or even in the same continuum as H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't live up to the man in the moon. He just doesn't. And if he wants to try and be in that continuum, then put on his big boy pants and get to work. Don't write crap or take crap and throw it on a page. That's, I mean, it makes me mad, actually, when I, when I get into it like this. Because but he's not trying. He's not trying. What he's trying is he's trying to just do a cash grab. Or he's trying to sit around and giggle with his friends in the basement about how they all know these references, and then use every stereotype every, ever created in a story to write a boring story that has anticlimactic ending with giant robots fighting each other. Which isn't really very fun to read about. Yeah, in the end, it's not fun to read. It's not worth my time. I could read H.G. Wells. I think any science fiction lover, I, Ernest Klein would probably say, yeah, you could read H.G. Wells instead of me. I could read Ursula Le Guin, for heaven's sake. <laughs> At least be confused. <laughs> Should we let the defense respond to that? Sure. Defense? Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Go ahead. For you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, your standard for any work of entertainment is that it has to move you personally and it has to aspire to the level of Shakespeare, Leo Tolstoy, or Jane Austen. Not necessarily those three, but it has to aspire to be good. On on a level like unto, you actually listed them as Yeah, why wouldn't something want to aspire to Uh, be that? Do you watch Netflix? I do. What, What are the last two or three things that you've watched on Netflix? We're watching the Olympics right now. The Olympics? Yeah. Okay. Those people aspire to be the greatest... The, the Olympics are on NBC. Yeah. You're asking, why have I watched them? Netflix. I'm um, talking Netflix, Hulu, YouTube. Do you watch YouTube videos? No. No? No YouTube videos. Not really. <laughs> Facebook, you're on social media? Rarely. Instagram? Yeah, I get on Instagram. Instagram. And, and you do watch shows on, on Netflix? Yeah. Shows like, for instance, Stranger Things? I have watched Stranger Things. Watch Stranger Things? Yes. Have you watched any of the Marvel? But I'm trying to actually remember what the last thing I... I think it was this show called The Crown. The Crown. Mm-hmm. So you consider something like Stranger Things to be worth your time? You did, in fact, consider Stranger Things to be worth your time? Yeah. I considered it to be worth a try. Worth a try. Did it as- aspire to uh, Shakespeare or Tolstoy or Austin? So you got it. I can do this. Yeah, can. Did it aspire yeah. to Shakespeare, Tolstoy, or Austin? I've never talked to the Duffer brothers. Did you perceive it to be aspiring to something on the level of Shakespeare? Actually, with Stranger Things. In your expert opinion, I'm trying to establish what the standard here is, and it sounds to me like it's an awful arbitrary standard of what moves you personally. Well, I, I don't think it's that. As no, I don't, think, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I think that what I'm saying is it needs to be art. That it's a, trying to move people in the right way. I actually do think that Stranger Things wanted to be that. It's a different conversation as to whether or not Stranger Things succeeded. Okay. But you're saying that Stranger Things aspired to be a great I think it wanted Stranger to be great. Things. Oh, yeah, I do. I think it wanted to be. Okay, now there's a difference between being a great version of Stranger Things and a classic work of art, which I is what most, he's, is the that, standard that you're holding everything to. 
I think most people would agree that Stranger Things was trying to do that. Yes. Okay, so that's that's your justification for watching Stranger Things. So, so no, that's not my justification for watching it. My justification for watching it is it's nice to have something to watch with my wife in the evenings when we're tired and we want to sit together on the couch. Okay. Because there's a a relationship there that's just as important to me as reading a book. Okay, but you're consuming entertainment. Yes. During that time, right? Yes. Is it appropriate for somebody to produce entertainment? For that purpose, knowing that it's not aspiring to give you something on the level artistically of Shakespeare, Tolstoy, or Austin, but simply trying to be a lighthearted bit of entertainment for you and your wife in, in an evening. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with Oscar Wilde. Okay. I think, though, he tried to be as the best possible form of that that he could possibly be. He actually had artistic aspirations. Glee, on the other hand, does not. So you would never watch Glee. No. But... But... Things such as Mad Men, mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, those things actually do have aspirations. So prestige TV is okay, but anything that falls short of prestige TV, lost even not had okay. aspirations like that. Not okay. I'm just trying to figure out where this standard is. I need to know what the standard and is. Not everything. Of what, so the thing is, is some of these things. Let me ask you a question. Some of this stuff can aspire to entertain simply by being the best pop- possible form of popcorn it can possibly be. I Wait, think so popcorn is okay? I think that's no. I don't think it's bad. Okay, so popcorn's okay. It's not bad. But what you don't want is popcorn laced with arsenic. Okay, but that's different than popcorn that aspires to be steak. But that's what I'm claiming. But your argument earlier was that every bit of popcorn should aspire to be steak. Even if it falls short and lands among popcorn, it should be aspiring to be steak. So then maybe I should clarify a little bit of what I was trying to say. Okay. Do Do I think that Indiana Jones aspires to be Shakespeare? No, but do I think that... Spielberg aspires to greatness, to the greatness and craft of storytelling, to the greatness of movie making, so, to all these things. Yeah, I do think that he holds himself to a very high standard that not anybody else has really been able to emulate. So I think the prosecution okay. standard, in fact, I'm going to help the prosecution a little bit. Okay. I'll allow it. But, you, but you're, going to, you're going to change his argument. Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> thank you. The prosecution, I think what the prosecution wants to argue is that the standard to which these things should be held is, did they try to be stake? within their genre. In other words, there's different kinds of steak yeah. and not all steak is equal, but everyone can try and be steak. If you can you can be the best version and here's the my pre- most artistic version, the most yes. you can actually try to achieve quality in your field, you can try to achieve excellence. Well, y- and what he- the prosecution is accusing Klein or should be accusing Klein of doing is of not trying yeah, that's to actually, achieve excellence. No, that's perfect. I mean, I, that's what I was trying to say. I'm just not as articulate. Okay, well, listen. Here, here's here's all I'm hearing is that everything should be steak and different variations of steak. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, if it's going to be a sirloin, then it should be a good sirloin. If it's going to be a T-bone, it should be a good T-bone. If it's going to be a ribeye, it's going to be a, a good ribeye. And you're not, you're not making... That's still a very... Li- My contention is that's a still a very limited range of palate. Okay. There, there should be room for cheeseburgers and there should be room for candy cotton candy even and defense would you say that there's a difference between a good cheeseburger and a bad cheeseburger well sure would you say there's a difference between the best cotton candy and the worst cotton candy (laughs) i i'm not sure i would would you be able to tell the difference would you allow for gradations (laughs) of quality within would you allow the fact that sometimes analogies don't hold completely true <laughs> no, oh, okay. as a matter of fact. Listen, here's the here's, my, the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everything about your case is that you don't have the time for this because you don't have the time for popcorn or cotton candy because your palate is a palate that's 
refined to only appreciate steak. Insofar as something falls short of that, then it needs to at least aspire to be something that it's not ever intended to be. This is intended to be popcorn or candy. And you can argue that it's not good popcorn or not good candy. Uh, You've not actually done that beyond asserting that the reason it fails to do that is that it doesn't aspire to be Shakespeare, Tolstoy, or Austin. The fact is, this is a successful book because lots of people think it's good candy and they enjoy it. And lots of people are not you. Lots of people are not people who have given their life to studying literature and developing their palate. And so is there room for good people among the many to, as Lewis would say, to to enjoy this piece of candy? And I argue that there is, in fact. And you may not be able to know it because your palate is so refined that you reject all candy out of hand as being too sweet. You can't even taste the nuances among them. (laughs) (laughs) Prosecution, will you approach the vent? He trounced you again. What are you doing? I don't know. I think I'm just letting him run away with this. His arguments are asinine. (laughs) He's the worst. That's the problem. His asinine arguments sometimes sound really good. And yeah, they sound really good because he's saying them at a high volume and waving yeah, so his arm. Yeah, go out there and say mine in a high volume? He's, he's ready player one, man. Yeah. He's ready player one. He's got nothing to he's say. He's got nothing to say. Everything is shallow. Yeah. And he just waves his hands and makes he, references he, and he likes uses wins. analogies. And yeah. he wins. And wins. Yeah, and he wins. <laughs> the populace likes it. Yeah. You're making arguments of substance. You're actually trying to delve into quality. You're trying to think so hard about it, you can't even articulate what you're saying, and you're losing. I know. It's awful. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> metaphor. like Welcome politics to my life. <laughs> or law or life. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> because, I mean, what do I say? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Well, because I am. Yeah. I mean, that, but that everybody should, but the, it's a problem of our culture. It's a problem that our culture is to a point where we think that popcorn should be raised to the level, like this idiot that wrote this book, <laughs> this stupid fan fiction, <laughs> saying that people have gri- grabbed the means of production and now we're making steak that tastes like popcorn. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's <laughs> Well, you could argue a couple of different things. Number one, you could say steak actually is better for you than popcorn. Well, yeah. And we have limited then, time, then, so... And then, then I'm just happens, gonna come here's back. Here's what happens. Yep. Here's what happens. When I make that argument to people, mm-hmm. this is actually getting real now. Okay. <laughs> when I make that argument to yeah. people, everybody gets really personal when it comes to the books they love. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with, because big people in the end, they really know mm-hmm. that what they read matters and what they enjoy and love actually says a lot mm-hmm. about them. Just yep. as much as it does about the author writing the book, it says a lot about you, what books you allow yourselves to love. And so people get very fidgety and weird. Even when someone like, there aren't a lot of places in my life where I feel like I have some authority, but when it comes to books and literature, I do. You know what But you're then people about. get mad when I try to tell them that something's bad. Mm-hmm. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Popcorn is kind of bad for you, and yeah. steak is kind of awesome. Popcorn is like the healthiest snack ever, man. Yeah, and steak actually... Let's just ignore him. <laughs> uh, steak actually tastes good. Here's the thing. So does popcorn. There are great adventure novels that you could be reading that could actually give you the thrills, the taste, the all the good taste. The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, The Lord of the Rings. You could be spending your time reading, or even, let's say, The Count of Monte Cristo. I don't care for it as much, but people like it. There, okay. is, There is actually good quality trash out there. And this doesn't even inspire to the level of that. In its own field, 
in its own genre, taken on its own terms, taken relatively, not compared to Austin, but compared to other science fiction novels, compared to the best that its field has to offer, compared to trash other good let's just call let's just let's just for simplicity's sake we'll make the distinction between this is a fantasy quest we'll say art and there's there's art novels and there's trash novels i didn't realize there's a whole there's gradations in between but just for simplicity's sake there's art and there's trash this is trash is it the question then is is it good trash or is it bad trash and the argument to be made is that it's bad trash it's trash that doesn't try spielberg himself has made lots of movies that have Better, more colorful, more interesting characters, better dialogue, more engaging situations than this novel contains. This novel is thin, even taken on its own terms. Yeah. And the problem, though, is that then they'll say, how do you know? Like, who are you to say that? How do you, you, how, how can you judge it? How do you know that he wasn't aspiring to be that, right? And how do you know that this isn't quality? Who cares what he was inspiring to be? Yeah. He, he yeah, did that. Yeah. Those are the art. That's and that's the sort of. Then you just end up running in circles. What What would your qualifications be for this not being trash? You have a hero who is. You can say he's narcissistic, but he's self sacrificial. He takes great risks, personal risks, for the good of his friends and for the good of the whole world, at least as he sees it. He works hard and masters his craft. Though these are all the elements that you would say were in any other novel, in any other context, ennobling kinds of things to read about. So yeah. then why in this book are they not ennobling kind of things to read about? Because it's all yeah, mixed why, up why, with... Why not? It's all Because you didn't find them ennobling because you've grown beyond them or what? No, those things insofar as they're insofar as this is a story of a hero that I'm not being a very uh, Im- impartial judge here anymore, <laughs> but... Insofar as this is the story, well, everybody just approach the bench. We'll hash this out. Um, Okay, fine. (laughs) We're here. Do I have to go off the record now? Because I'm having fun. Yeah, We'll go off the record a little bit. But you can still play devil's advocate if you want to. Insofar as this is a hero's journey, that's fine. There's a reason that those stories resonate with us. It's nice. I look forward to watching the movie. I enjoyed the book. It was okay for what it was, but it was mixed up with a lot of narcissism, with a lot of selfishness. The whole section where he's wooing Artemis is so lame. You know, the fact like, she got all my references. That's literally a line in this stupid book. She got all my references because that's the thing. That that to this guy is the coolest. That's what you look for in a a woman. You don't look for She's any kind of feminine quality. You don't look for a gentle and She's quiet spirit. Guys, you don't man. look for someone she that can could speak my go through life with you, that could help you, that could compliment you, that could be. Oh any no, no, kind of she a... helps you, just like Artemis. Yeah, no, she's your bro. She's <laughs> your bud. Like... She gets your she gets your references. That's the highest thing that this and just and like a Greek goddess helps young... the. Uh, just like uh, Athena helps Odysseus and poor pitiful young women. Poor young women, they're going to read this stupid book, and they're not even going to want to read it, but they're going to read it because they want to be bros, because that's what our culture tells them that they have to be. They're going to read this stupid book that they're not interested in. They're going to pretend like they get all the references. They're going to want to be Artemis, and it's going to teach them that what they should do is is just be one of the guys, only have a hot body. Are they going to be a 30-something housewife who has some nostalgia for the 80s and reads it and just has some fun with it like they would an Agatha Christie book. Yeah, and insofar as people can read this and have some fun with it, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think there's anything so destructive or arsenic-laden about it that people can't read it and enjoy the hero's journey that's there. I think they can save themselves some time by watching a two-hour movie, and ultimately, I think... The judge will probably rule. Wait for the movie, but we'll see. You know, well, you can you actually, can get you can get what's good out of this. Bypass what's bad by just watching the silly movie. Probably that's actually what makes 
the position I'm trying to take pretty hard mm-hmm. is because I don't think that this is a book you just have to throw out. Right. I'd be fine with somebody reading it. I don't think it's so awful that <clears throat> you shouldn't read it. Right. And that's what I'm trying. It's not trash, trash, but it's yeah, almost. It's almost, yeah. And so that's what makes But I position. think you were on the border of... That's, that, that's what makes my position kind of difficult is I wouldn't say that somebody shouldn't read this at all. And yet I'm trying to put it to death. Well, but I think you were actually on the verge of making a pretty good point. If you take this on its own terms and you say... Is it aspiring to be good trash? The answer is actually no. It's pretty lazy. It's pretty cynical. It doesn't try that hard. And that is, can we all agree, even though it kind of works and it's kind of a clever conceit and the hero's journey is always fun and always enjoyable. It's got some stuff that's kind of fun and works. Can we all agree off the record that it's pretty cynical, pretty insulting and a pretty lazy book that isn't everything that it could be? Like there is actually a better fantasy novel? So. Off the record, yes, I agree with that, I think. My devil's advocate defense for that, that I think we maybe have to take seriously, because I may even be persuaded by it, is that Ernest Cline is nothing more than George Lucas. What George Lucas did with Star Wars was was give us a fantastic, as you love to put it, a fantastic sandbox to play in, in the world that he created. And he didn't have any of the tools to really make it what it could be. If he had brought Spielberg in to direct... If he had not written episodes one through three, but you know, if Lawrence Kasdan or whoever was more involved, we would have had a better Star Wars. But it was a really cool universe, and that's what's great about it. What we might have to contend with is the fact that Ernest Klein actually created the greatest sandbox known to man. And that sandbox is the Oasis, a world where you can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do, go anywhere you want to go. You fantasize about living in the world of Star Wars? Great. All you need to do is make a hyper jump. Oh, you fantasize about living in the world of Star Trek? Great. Make a hyper... You fantasize about living and abiding by all of the... Uh, some kind of fantasy? Boom, you're there, and now you operate under the fan- rules of that fantasy universe. That's a really cool, interesting, <laughs> compelling sandbox to play in. Because he had that one great idea, maybe that's all he has is you know enough vision, enough great idea, and it sucks that he's the person that had to go and write the novel. But it does kind of suck that he's the person that had to go and write the and novel. And it's not even really his idea. I mean, other people have had the idea of virtual reality worlds. Well, yeah, I mean, the virtual reality is an actual real thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not like this is a novel idea, like George Lucas's Star Wars. The fact that Somebody he was able to... No, 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 but to be able to pull it together and to pull all of those worlds together in one place that's linked with your identity and you can go and you can build and you can, you know, that's that's a cool thing. I'm sure other people have had that thought or that idea, but he pulled it together and he created a vision of it that was compelling enough that he sold, I don't know how many books, and he's getting a multi-million dollar movie made directed by Steven Spielberg because St- Steven Spielberg looked at it and said, this is a cool sandbox. I'd like to play in it. And Universal Studios or whoever looked at it and said, yeah, that's a cool sandbox. Everybody would love to play in it. Sony and Nintendo and Facebook and Microsoft are looking at it and saying, yeah, we know that's a cool sandbox. We're trying to build it. What's this? Jake actually stepped away from the bench while making that speech (laughs) and just made it to the courtroom. (laughs) So (laughs) prosecution, I guess you'll have to respond. I've got to respond to that. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. He came up with a good idea, but that doesn't make a good novel. And it doesn't make a good literature just because he has a decent idea. As to whether or not we throw the idea out completely, that's, I don't think the idea is on trial. What the defense is saying, though, in the defense's defense is stop judging this as a work of literature. Judge it as a work of world building and say it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Okay. And what the prosecution is saying in the prosecution's defense is, it, no! <laughs> well, in I'm the same confused. Way, in the same way that if you look at Star Wars, in any individual Star Wars movie, yeah. if you judge it by the standards of a great classic movie, not going to go very far. Well, we already know where I stand on this. So, <laughs> But if you judge it on its merits, which is a pretty naked hero's journey, uh-huh. pretty empty, flat characters, but really cool world to imagine yourself in, that's amazing. That's why it resonates with everybody. This is a similar situation. It's can't fair you, enough. Can't just, you, it just doesn't make a good... accept the merits of that? But it's so far as... Accept believe. the merits of good pop art measuring up to a standard like that. But insofar as Star Wars, Star Wars generally didn't combine it with as much pandering garbage. And Star can Wars, we, now that Star we, Wars has started to combine it with more pandering garbage, we're on record at the bookening as not being as appreciative of Star Wars. Yeah, it's become bad. Can that be a standard for pop art? Is that what you said? Just yeah. coming up with an idea? An idea, a world that resonates in mean, a hero's journey story is, that people is, can no, enter into. Because the thing is, is the Lord of the Rings wouldn't have been the Lord of the Rings without the story. I mean, he was he couldn't just build the world and that'd be enough. Well, He had to populate the world but the with the story, story the love. arc of the story is not that different. Uh, well, but the characterization and everything You can everything say the depth, happens. the characterization, the stake? nuances, the, even What's the stakes... I mean, because what's at stake in this book is pretty ridiculous. The future of humanity or something like that, right? But the way that it's at stake, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I, I fail to see your point. It's video games. <laughs> it's the whole world. It's all everybody has. This is post-apocalyptic. It's 80s video games. This is post-apocalyptic world where nobody has anything. Nobody has it's any money. Nobody can afford games. to live. It's 80s video games that no one except Fine. for Fine. him and a few people that he knew. I grant you the point that it is 80s video games, and that seems and very to silly care. to you and I'm growing to, up in your... No, it's uh, silly in general. I'm supposed to care, and anyone's supposed to care. That the Lots of people of, do. Here's, 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 wrongly. <laughs> okay, but listen. listen. Listen to my broader point, okay? Tolkien created a world, and it's... It has greater depth and richness to it. And he took a classic story arc, mm -hmm. hero's journey kind of arc, and he made it deeper and richer and had richer characterization and more nuances to the journey, to the quest. But it's still a quest story. And this is world building. This is a hero's journey. This is a quest story. There are stakes. There are, in fact, stakes. There is, in fact, I agree with that. risk and sacrifice. And... You can argue that it's flat and that it's not as rich as Tolkien, but again, you're holding it to the standard of Tolkien. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm holding it to a standard. I'm abandoning all pretense of being <laughs> a, an, a, an impartial judge here. <laughs> Two on one, man. <laughs> Star Wars did excel at some stuff, okay? It had great special effects. <laughs> it had good, amazing music. Don't look so great now. They looked good then. And the new Star Wars movies look good now. Star Wars had artists working at the top of their craft to transport you. Our, Star Wars actually did have some flat characters. It did have things that were flat about it. But it also had things that were groundbreaking, things that it worked hard to achieve. George Lucas may not have been the best at screenwriting, but there were things that George Lucas actually was amazing at. And Ernest Cline isn't amazing at anything. Yeah, and I'm tempted to think that the Spielberg movie won't be the greatest Spielberg movie, but... We'll see about um, that, but be that as it may, we don't abandon all notions of quality 
just because someone invents a great sandbox. And in fact, the sandboxes that we love, the sandboxes that have resonated with us are the ones that have been done by people of quality, where, where it's, whether it's Tolkien giving you the entire package, don't wave your arms at me, or, or whether it's Star Wars giving you part of the package with great music that will last forever, with special effects that tell that story. I mean, Luke, the bad actor, Mark Hamill, with the crummy dialogue, goes and stands in front of those twin sons, and it evokes an entire world, and the music, John Williams' music swells, and it evokes an entire feeling in a way that Ernest Cline could never dream of. I mean, I don't know if George Lucas writes that book. If George Lucas wrote Star Wars and that was all we had, it would suck. The reason we remember Star Wars is because it was a great work of art in its field. This is not a great work of art in its field. He has to work with descriptions. He has to work with dialogue. He has to work with uh, chapters and words. He He does not excel at any of those things. May I speak off the record? Off the record. All he actually does is give you a world where you can pull in anybody else's sandbox that they created. Yeah, He didn't even create his own sandbox. No, he actually didn't create a sandbox. What he did was he said, wouldn't it be cool if there was a world in which all of these sandboxes created by all these actually creative people were all lined up next to each other and you could just like jump from one sandbox to another. That would be kind of neat. And that's that's a fine idea, but that's, that's really, really all that he yeah. did. He didn't actually create anything unique And even the tech that he's talking about, like, this is stuff that already exists or is on the edge of existing. It's sort of like Jobs has already made the iPod Touch. And you look at the iPod Touch and you think, wouldn't it be cool if I could use that as my phone too? You think that you've invented the iPhone. Right. Well, idiot, what have you thought he's been working toward? He just hasn't got the tech for it yet. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't accept that we can't have quality. I mean, I think that's a great point that you just made another one is that I just, I've never accepted, if if you've invented a great sandbox, I've always thought about the Star Wars movies since that's our analogy. Why don't they hire some screenwriters that can write dialogue? Yeah. It wouldn't hurt anything, you know? You could, you could, you know, maybe from the argument of we have to keep it flat, which is an argument I admit I've made many times to defend many different things, you know. That you like. That I like. And I like Star Wars, but I've always thought, I think about it with Dracula. Why couldn't Bram Stoker just have had a little bit better characters, you know, a little bit better dialogue. Like, I always think... But the fact does remain that Stoker's Dracula lives and has become iconic right? because he was able to evoke a thing. But there's nothing wrong with me reading Dracula and saying, here's why it's resonant, here's what's cool about it. And here's how it could be better, and here's how it should be better. Same thing with ready. Wait, are you? Yeah. Uh, still Let's at see the bench? this. Yeah. Same thing with ready player. No, I'm not at the bench. I'm being the devil. No. You're being the devil now. Okay. Or not the devil. I'm sorry. You're being the, <laughs> pros- the prosecutor. No, I'm being the defense. The, defense. Okay. Yeah. the state appointed defense attorney, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably need to wrap this trial up here, guys. But here, well, I'll let you make your closing argument, and then he, Brandon, can make his closing argument, and I'll make my judgment. Okay. Mike, Unless you really want to do more cross exam, if you, if you had some cross, really fun cross examination. Uh, no, all I was gonna, all I was gonna say is that I forget something about holding. Re- actually, yeah, let's do Dracula, Ready, Ready Player One. Yeah, let's. Okay, look. what happens if we hold Mister Defense? If we hold this to the standard? Well, well, so we don't have trash. we don't have time to know. Time will tell if this world, the characters in it, become iconic. We're in the midst of a series. There's a sequel coming, mm-hmm. and you can build on sequels. They won't. <laughs> They probably said that about Star Wars when they came out. Probably. <laughs> had you been had you been there when uh, Stoker wrote 
Dracula and you read it and brought your same level of judgment to it, you would say that this would not live because it's garbage by the same standards. I am making a fairly partial prophecy that it won't. All I'm saying is as far as that goes... That's not it. I mean, this is this is not the prosecution. Just I'm just yeah. saying. It's time time will tell. It's not going to. Time will tell, but... <laughs> time will tell it won't. <laughs> the fact is it's resonated with enough people that it's being made into a Spielberg movie. Yeah. Though I get the sense on some level it's not resonated as much as we think it has. I don't think it's as big of a deal. So I'm interested to see what happens with the Shakespeare movie. The Shakespeare movie. Not the Shakespeare. <laughs> Sorry, the Spielberg movie. Um, Shakespeare's doing this. Yeah, Shakespeare's that'd doing be amazing. This. That right. would be amazing. That would could you that, could really punch be, up that dialogue. That would be interesting. <laughs> all right. Um, Do you have any closing arguments you want right. to make defense before uh, I just want to remind everybody that I, I don't have to prove the innocence of the book. <laughs> I have to prove it's that it's not guilty. Okay. And so that just, I have to cast reasonable doubt mm-hmm. on it being guilty. Guilty, yeah. Brandon has argued that the character of the author is bad, therefore the work is bad. And I think he's argued that very ineffectively, very poorly. And the reality is there are many bad men and bad authors that have done good things and many good people who have done bad things. That argument falls flat, especially by Brandon's standards for character and for goodness of literature. He has tried to argue that a book has to aspire to be a classic work of literature and that all entertainment is on a continuum and it needs to aspire to move him personally and aspire to be on the level of greatness, the uh, same level of greatness as uh, Shakespeare or Tolstoy or Austin, which I think I've demonstrated is false. He holds everything to his own personal standard and then he argues that appealing to the pleasure of readers is a bad thing, which again is demonstrably false. And so I don't think that the prosecution has any case whatsoever to make against this. Well, I think the only point you made that's true is that I did a poor job (laughs) at defending the author. My point about the author, the other stuff you said is wrong. It's because you you love Tolstoy, though. I love Tolstoy. I don't want to see him go down, but I was suddenly inspired. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Perry Mason moment. (laughs) (laughs) To think that it's actually not the character of the author we care about, but their worldview, and that you can see their worldview coming through in the books. And this guy's worldview is garbage. It's a stinking pile of garbage. It's just self-referential. It borrows from everything. It's unimaginative. It's uncreative. It's unoriginal. Even its idea of a hero's journey is unoriginal. From what I understand, there are things that it has taken its story from, and that there's something, I can't remember what, I'm trying to remember, there's something that it's actually, people think that did this first. So even there, he was kind of un- unimaginable. Your Honor, I object. He's entering new evidence in his closing arguments, and that's going to be bad. Eh, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, this is just coming to me. But no, I, I actually remember reading this in somebody's... I wish I could remember what it was. Oh, well. Wouldn't that have been helpful to have remembered? What was I saying? <laughs> you were making your closing argument. I was making my closing argument, saying that this was a stinking pile of garbage. <laughs> Oh, you said yeah. it was derivative, that there's an argument that it's derivative, right. and I objected and derailed you. Yeah, yeah, and you derailed. That's what objections are supposed to do. You succeeded. <laughs> yeah. um, now I you failed succeeded. to succeed by putting you back on track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been a mockery of the this justice been, system. <laughs> well, I mean, my arguments have all just been blown to smithereens. I don't even... I'm just going to go hide in a corner with Tolstoy and just pretend <laughs> the world doesn't exist. Dude, you still win. You're yeah. in a corner with Tolstoy. Tolstoy, you got my back, Tolstoy, right? Yes, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the... I, it just seems so self-obvious to me. <laughs> it is self-evident that this book is a steaming pile of garbage. 
The, do I need to make an argument? <laughs> Not if you don't uh, watch that it. That was the point of uh, putting it on trial. I <laughs> yeah, thought. I guess I do. You, you said, have to establish so something. One doubt point that, that I did want to make, though, that I've been over here pondering and thinking about, that, and this is probably entering new evidence or something, but whatever. <laughs> the defense said that it's a quest, and that's great. It is a quest. And we were going back and forth about that. But I would still stress that the stakes of a quest always matter. I mean, that's what makes the Arthurian quest the Arthurian quest. That's what makes the Lord of the Rings the Lord of the Rings. And if your stakes are sure, yeah, Comcast is going to take over the internet. So it's kind of net neutrality is at stake. Some people care. It's a big deal. It's not quite the stakes of having the grail found or having the one ring that's going to destroy the world thrown into Mount Doom. Or, but, hey, or hey, whether I, Henry's going to win Fanny's heart. Yeah, well, uh, whatever. And then, <laughs> Sorry, I'm Sustained. Just... <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> the whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if the stakes are then, like, so then you also have to look then at the what question, the what's, what, two people in what are the dangers? What are the dangers that are going to happen to the people on the way? And if the biggest danger is he's going to have to remember the lines to a movie. He was going to get killed. He's going to get blown up. They're going to find him. That's later. They're going to put him in... Not in the actual quest itself. No, he was going to get killed from the beginning of the quest to the end. At the one part where they blew up his trailer home? That was at the beginning, and then they were going to... They were trying to actually find him. They were yeah. actively trying to find him they to kill him. In they fact, actually, they did kill I would one argue of his friends. They did kill one of his friends. I would argue that that's a weaker part of the novel, though, because you never really feel that danger too much. Sustained. But But... You don't feel it too much. You okay, just... you don't feel it too much, but is it real? Does it exist? It does. Okay, but it's poorly done. Fine. Which is but you, which but goes your argument into the next is that it doesn't of, exist. Which goes into the next so. part of my argument, which things need to have standards to be worth our time. To hold something to a standard, you know, it's just you should ah, hold it to a standard. <laughs> it fails. It's bad. It doesn't meet any standards. It's just garbage. It's like rotten cotton candy. Maggots yes. are in the cotton candy. <laughs> They're just go for it. to the dark side. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and I mean, this, okay, so we haven't talked about the style. You open up any sentence in here, and it's not even attempting to be the sort of bad that was in Wrinkle in Time. It's just dead flatness. There's no artistic merit to the style. The storyline is cheap, riddled with self-referential... I can't say the word again. The M word? Yeah. Yeah. Our listeners will understand. It's just meant to make the readers who get it feel good about themselves. And so they're supposed to then use this text as just a way to feel nostalgia. That's it. And so it goes back to this one quote that I found that he said, you know, his what he really gets... What really gets him giddy about art is the fact that it's escapism. The best movies, the best literature, all of it's escapism. And so this is escapism. But is that really what real art and stories do? Are they just escapism? Because what he means by escapism, it's doing what the Oasis does. It's taking you into another world, another place. And I'd say his vision is not worth my time. The way he writes is not worth my time. His heroes are definitely not worth my time. I could think of a million Wade Watts I would rather spend my time with. And Wade Watts I would rather hold up to my son as a model. So he doesn't think that if he plays Zelda, suddenly he's going to have um, some righteous... Superpowers. ...dignity. Yeah. I mean, good grief. I could have him read and want to be Frodo. Yeah. Or I could have Henry, who kind of has the character of Sam, read The Lord of the Rings and want to be Sam. He definitely doesn't want to be H, right? And so there's just so much bad here and i can't think of any good that execute it judge please or execute me (laughs) (laughs) those are my choices (laughs) well did you order the code red (laughs) 
I want the truth about this book. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Brandon, you successfully have our listeners' sympathies, I think. Jake has done a good job of making himself into a villain that everyone listening to this will hate. <laughs> it was my job, guys. I'm sorry. <clears throat> you did a good I threw job. myself into the role. With glee. With glee. Sadistic glee. Sadistic glee. A quality that we've you said proved is... One thing that back when we all taught together, one thing I kept always heard about Jake is that in systematic theology, you could always prove to people that they have no clue how to argue or what they're doing. <laughs> And I think you successfully proved that to me. So I bow to you, Dick. <laughs> Thank you. Aw. <laughs> they liked the class for that reason, though. But then I don't think I let... I think I argued almost all of them into heresy at one point or another. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I heard. Here, you just argued me into and some literary heresy, perhaps. Yeah. And you were about ready to admit that... <laughs> The morality of Tolstoy and Ernest Klein are on an equal footing, I which know. is garbage. <laughs> that is garbage. <laughs> well, I've got to make a judgment. I find Ready Player One guilty of of not being as good as it should be, of not entirely conforming to the standard of excellence that trash, good trash, should conform to, of being lazy, pandering, and insulting in some of the things that it does, and downright wicked in a few things it does. I find it... Innocent of the charge of being a horrible book that no one should ever read. For the crimes that it did commit, I sentence it to three months of hard labor as a movie under the direction of Steven Spielberg. I think that's a fair judgment. I stand by that judgment. Thank you, Your Honor. I'm going to issue a restraining order. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'll, I'm going to issue a restraining order for, uh, against for this book. I'm going to say this book needs to stay 50 feet away from both y'all's children. Yeah. And I think that kind of says everything that we needed to say about this book, really, Mr. Defense. Mr. Uh, Defense, let no me ask you a question. Your Will your children be reading this book? No, Your Honor. Would you be happy for your children to read this book? No, Your Honor. At any point in your while they're under your roof? Not under my roof. Yep. Well, that's what I'm thinking. As too. adults who are mature and who, for whatever reason, want to explore 80s nostalgia, pop culture, whatever. I'll say go watch E.T. Right. Would you recommend that our listeners read this book, Mr. Defense? Um, if you have real nostalgia for the 80s, I don't begrudge you wanting to pick it up and reading it and enjoying it. No, I don't. I, but recommend is different. Recommend for me is no. Yeah. Recommend is a no, but I'd, I don't fault anybody for wanting to read it, and I don't fault anybody for enjoying reading it who has any level of real nostalgia or even desire to figure out why, why other people are nostalgic about. Mm-hmm. I'll second that. If I can take off my... Ju- uh, my- Lawyer's robes. Your, your lawyer's robes, yes. I just put my cards on the table. Like I said, I read this book in one day, so it did something to entertain me. Mm-hmm. I didn't despise it as much as I was... I, I just, That is... I'm sorry, that... I, I just want to say, I think that is a real thing and a real feat that I really appreciate. Yeah, the ability to keep you turning pages is a real skill. Yeah. It's one that certain quote-unquote great authors don't have, and I certainly begrudge them when too. they don't have it. When Thomas Hardy can't keep me turning those pages, I... Don't like it. I think mm-hmm. that's a failing, and it's not a failing of Ernest Klein's. No, it's not. 
but but I'm not sure what that does for him. So well, he has a real skill. He's a good world builder, and he or his editor or somebody is good at putting narrative building blocks together such that you want to keep reading his book until you're done and see what's going to happen. Um, So he's got that much. Mm -hmm. I really do think it's not unfair to say he could then add a little artfulness to it and a little characterization and a little dialogue and make it that much better. And it's certainly not not unfair to say he could take out the dumb allusions to masturbation and to blasphemy and it would be better. And also our listeners should know if they're curious about this book and thinking about reading it, it does contain a number of naughty words. So yeah, it does proceed at your own peril. But I do stand by what I was saying about standards and those sorts of things. So in the end, would I recommend people read this knowing life is short and that there are lots of other things to spend your time doing? I think your best bet probably, if you're actually curious about it and you think you kind of like it, is watch the movie. Watch the movie, yeah. And if you love the movie and it really intrigues you, then maybe you'll want to go back and read the book. But I'd, I'd, this is a rare case. I'd start with the movie. That's, that's a better entry point. Agreed. And probably the movie will give you everything you need and more and you won't want to read the book. But That's what I suspect. By the time I was done, I was like, well, I mean, even uh, the whole way through, I was just like, yeah, this is this is a movie. This would probably make a fun movie. And when I got done, I was, I've was i been excited to see the movie now. Yeah, the movie looks like fun. It does look like fun now. It didn't look like fun at all before. No, but knowing the story and knowing the book, it looks like fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe it'll be fun. And if it's not, oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Day was written and produced by Nathan Albertson. It was uh, performed by the witness for the prosecution himself, Mr. Brandon Chastain. The basically playing the character of the devil from <laughs> Sound of Sanity podcast. <laughs> we had Jake Metzl, who really probably could have not could have come across much more sympathetically if he'd wanted to, but he just decided to go full on. Villainous prosecutor. He basically he played the villainous prosecutor, even though he was supposed to be (laughs) the defense. I smelled blood in the water, so (laughs) I thought it'd be more fun to just go for it. Uh, I think our listeners will enjoy. Uh, Hey, hey, don't hate me. No, 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 no. Uh, They don't hate you, but they understood it was all in good fun. Uh, Go to Patreon.com. You know what's all in good fun? It's giving us money. (laughs) There's nothing that gives me more pleasure. Go to Patreon.com forward slash the booking. Leave us a nice review. If you haven't done it yet, go to your Apple or your thing and just type a nice review of the podcast and say, ah, you know, they have these interesting arguments. They equate the morality of Tolstoy with the morality of Ernest. Have a good evening, folks. Go to patreon.com forward slash the booking and support us there. Right, Brandon? Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs>